I don't know if it's just me or everyone that preaches up here, probably just me, but I need a bigger stand. I got too much stuff. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. It sounds great up here in the front, having all you guys singing, hearing you guys back here. It's great. So you guys are stuck with me again. Little. (laughs) I will make this disclaimer again. I'm not a preacher. I don't play one on TV. I didn't say Holiday Inn Express last night. But I did come up with a good joke for you guys for this week. So the church council met to discuss the pastor's compensation package for the coming year. After the meeting, the chair of the council told the pastor... We are very sorry, Pastor, but we decided that we cannot give you a raise next year. But you must give me a raise, said the Pastor. I am but a poor preacher. I know, the council chair said, we hear you every Sunday. (laughs) So I'm not getting a raise. (laughs) Uh, So this week, we're still in Romans. We're actually coming to an end of Romans. So we've gone through quite a bit of theology. We've talked about the gospel message, God's righteous judgment, righteousness apart from the law. We talked about being justified by faith alone, the results of justification by faith, freedom of sin, being bound to Christ, life in the spirit, God's sovereignty, the word of faith, being living sacrifices, submission to authorities, and the weak and the strong in faith. So that's a lot of material that we've gone through. A lot of doctrine in this letter. And so now we're getting towards the end of that. The theology part is done. Which makes this sermon a little bit harder to try and find what to go off of with the other The first part of the the letter, we could go through and we could talk about the theology. Well, now we're at the end of that, and so it's kind of hard to to find something to talk about towards this part, this last chapter. So Paul writes this letter to the Romans, right? He takes this 10-page letter, front and back, and he sends this off to the church in Rome. And off of that letter... We have books upon books upon books of commentary. It's amazing how something so small, and you get so many theologians that just go through and, and write so much, break it down. Unfortunately, I'm not that smart to break all that down. So luckily we have all of that. So as Paul is wrapping up his letter, he writes to them about his travel plans his expectations of the church in Rome, and the actions of other churches. So rather than just seeing his agenda here, I'm going to go through and we're going to talk about how Paul shows us what a gospel-driven church looks like. We get a peek of how Paul sees his work, and we can learn how we can look at at our work in God's, God's kingdom. We can see an example of what a church should look like. So I want to read these characteristics of a church. And I want you guys to think about these as we go through this this last half of chapter 15. 
So recognizing that worship encompasses our every breath, not just those when we're singing together. Committing ourselves to prayer, both corporately and individually. Submitting everything we do to the Word of God, which requires studying it to see what it actually says. Joyfully giving ourselves to fellowship as a community of Jesus' followers. Cheerfully giving of our time, resources, and gifts to benefit our church, our community, and our world. Voluntarily blessing one another and others through acts of service. Teaching one another to obey Jesus' commands through intentional discipleship. Expressing the hope we have in Christ through words and deeds of evangelism, sharing the good news. Joining God in his work around the world through praying, sending, and going on mission. So I want you guys just to kind of think about those as we go through this. Uh, Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father, we thank you for this time that we can just come together, learn more about you, read from your word. We thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And I pray that as we, as we go through this study today, Lord, that your will would be done, that your message would be heard, and everything that we do is honoring to you. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen. So starting in verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. So Paul spent a lot of time in the first, or in this letter to the Romans, and he's gone through all this theology. You might think that the church in Rome was a mess, right, because he's talked about about how they need to to come together, how they need to have unity. But here he talks about the righteous things that they are doing. He says that he is satisfied with the Christians in Rome. Paul commends them for their moral excellence. They are living their lives right before the Lord. They are living their lives based upon a full knowledge of God's will. They are not ignorant of the scriptures. They want to know God's will, and they are seeking it, so they might be found pleasing to God. Also, the Christians in Rome, they're able to instruct one another. So he just kind of gives a little bit of character of this church. So he hasn't been there, but obviously this church has, has been talked about throughout the regions. So he knows that they've been doing right and they've been doing good. <clears throat> Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me. So Paul has written them boldly on some of these points, right? All this, this theology that he's gone through. It's just a way of a reminder. He's just reminding them. And no matter how spiritually mature we are, we still need a reminder of God and of his will. We should always be studying his word. We should always be in his word, learning and seeking him. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. 
I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition... Sorry, I want to make sure I want to get ahead of myself there. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. So Paul's talking about an evangelistic church, right? He's being evangelistic. So Paul is the minister to the Gentiles. So we see this in the story of his conversion in Acts chapter 9, right? He is chosen by God to be the chosen instrument to proclaim the name of Jesus to them, the Gentiles. It is his duty to teach and preach the gospel. So Paul looked at this duty as that of a priest, as to offer up the Gentiles as an offering to God, right? So he's comparing himself to an Old Testament priest on that. And the Gentiles, they are his offering. That is what he is bringing before God. Paul's desires that his offering of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles will be acceptable and made holy by the Holy Spirit. Paul says here that he's proud of the work that he is doing, but he's not proud of himself. He's proud of what Christ has accomplished through him. So Paul, he gives all the glory to God. Paul tells us here that he's been all over the region. I don't have a map here of it, but looking at the map, you've got one in the back of your Bibles there. And it shows the area from Jerusalem up to Elycrium, which is almost where, a little north of where Italy is now. So he was almost to Rome. But he talks about how he has been all over that region, planting churches, making disciples. And he, he says that he has done it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted to lay the foundations of Christ, and he wanted to let the others do the building after him. So each one of us is given a, a spiritual gift from God. For Paul, it was being a planter. He writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I have planted the seed, Apollos has watered it, but it's God has been making it grow. So this was Paul's calling, to be a planter, right? So that's what he's saying that he wants to do. He wants to go, he wants to get to Spain, where the gospel has never been preached before. He's kind of a a pioneering kind of guy. He wants to just go out and and go where, where Jesus has not been heard. So Paul was an evangelist. This was his act of service to God. We as a church, and individually, we should have the same desire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. While we have many purposes and functions in the church, one of our most important is to seek the lost and appoint them to Jesus. We should be proclaiming Jesus every day. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions... And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through, 
and to have you assist me on my journey there, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem and the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, then they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and I will visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. So Paul's talking about a giving church. Because of Paul's duty, so he hasn't been able to make it to Rome. But now, again, he's talking about how he's covered that whole area. And now his desire is to go to Spain. So he's planning on taking his calling to the ends of the world, right? Spain at this time was the end of the world, for, for what the people knew. But Paul has an obligation first to the Lord's people in Jerusalem. So he has collected a contribution from Macedonia and Achaia. And notice how he says they were pleased to make this contribution. He is confident that he will be fully accepted when he arrives there. Excuse me, jumped ahead there. But notice how that he says that they were pleased to make this contribution. Richard was talking earlier about giving, right? So that's what this church is doing. So they are giving joyfully, right? In Jerusalem at the time, there was a lot of, of just the poor Jewish Christians. Hard times have come on them. There's been a lot of unrest there with the Romans controlling Jerusalem. And they, they've taken up this offering to them. <clears throat> Paul says there that the, the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, they didn't know the Jewish Christians there. But they were still eager to help their brothers and sisters. So that's how we should be, right? We should be willing to help our brothers and sisters around the world. All the Christians... So many being persecuted in other regions. So many missionaries out in the field. So Paul is also hoping here that the church in Rome, that they're going to help him with his journey to Spain. So he's hoping to do a little fundraising there too. We're now in verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying for God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably favorably received by the Lord's people there. So now Paul is describing a praying church. So Paul calls for this church to be praying for him. He knows when he gets to Jerusalem that there are those there that want to kill him. But he wants this gift to be received by the Lord's people there in Jerusalem. And he is asking the church in Rome for prayer. And he wants them to pray for his journey getting to Rome. So we should be a praying church. Pray for each other. Pray for the church leaders. Pray for the gospel to be spread. Praying for God's will to be done. Pray that I may be kept safe from the un- oops, find my right spot here. 
32, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. A joyful church. So Paul is looking forward to being in the company of the Roman church. He expects he will be refreshed by coming to them. This is how it should be. When we come to church, it should be refreshing. It should be joyful to meet together as a church family. We should be building each other up. When we come to church, we should feel rejuvenated. We should be refreshed, and we should be refreshing others. This should be our joyous event every Sunday. And when we meet, it shouldn't be just Sundays. So I'm going to try and apply this little bit of this scripture to what we've been talking about at Red Hills for the last couple years. Everyone have a bulletin with them? Got an open book test for you. Mission statement at Red Hills. You guys probably can't see on this one, but what's the top one? And make disciples. All right. So where does Paul fit into this? Love God. Paul shows that he loves God by following his commands. He's being obedient to God by fulfilling what God has called him to be. The minister of the gospel to the Gentiles. He loves God by giving him all of the glory. He puts God first and he makes sure that it's known that it is all through God. He loves God by loving others. He loves God by joining him in his work of spreading the gospel. Loving others. Paul shows us that he loves others by taking that contribution from Macedonia and Achaia to Jerusalem. Paul knew there was people there in Jerusalem and Judea that wanted him dead. He still wanted to deliver this gift that had been given to them. Paul loves others by sharing the gospel with them. He devoted his entire life to sharing the gospel. He was beaten. He was put in prison. He was left for dead. And he did all of this to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Making disciples. So after all of this, Paul still desired to take the gospel out. He wanted to go to Spain to proclaim the gospel. In Paul's time, this was the end of the earth. Acts 1.8, Jesus tells us, You will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Paul is living out that order from Jesus. Paul lived his life on mission for God. Are you living your life on mission to God? Do you love God? Do you love others? Are you making disciples? Where do you need to grow in this? What area of that do you need to work on? What help do you need in following these commands? As a church, do we sound like the church that Paul was describing in verse 14? Or how about these characteristics of the church again? Recognizing that worship encompasses our every breath, not just those when we're singing together. Committing ourselves to prayer, both corporately and individually. Submitting everything we do to the Word of God, which requires studying it to see what it actually says. Joyfully giving ourselves to fellowship as a community of Jesus' followers. Cheerfully giving of our time, resources, 
and gifts to benefit our church, our community, and our world. Voluntarily blessing one another and others through acts of service. Teaching one another to obey Jesus' commands through intentional discipleship. Expressing the hope we have in Christ through words and deeds of evangelism. Sharing the good news. Joining God in his work around the world through praying, sending, and going on mission. Does that sound like the characteristics of this church? I hope it does. This is right off of our church website. Yeah, I'm glad I looked at it because I wouldn't have known. <laughs> but where, where do we as a church need to grow in these areas? Are we meeting all of these? Are we living this out? I know there's places I need to grow. So my challenge is this. Self-assess where you can grow individually. Where can you join God in growing the church? What spiritual gift has God given you? And are you using that gift to further his kingdom? That's my challenge to you guys is to think about where you can can grow more in these areas and where you can grow more in the church. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that we would grow more in you, that we would 